0: all right thanks for listening to the uh, nebraska athletic podcast we're back here with episode 7 um jeremy foote joined by brian rosenthal our uh writer for huskers.com uh ryan's or jesus call you ryan Ryan (laughs) brian i've been called worse (laughs) is always turning out 30 minutes ago as a matter of fact oh well we won't get into those details um is always putting out good content on huskers.com um Follow Brian on, on Twitter, GBR Rosenthal. Um, check out what he writes on Huskers.com. He'll have stuff going into each game week, uh, things after games and uh, features, just all kinds of cool stories throughout the year. So, Brian, two week, or, uh, last week we were expecting to talk about a football game. Unfortunately, we could not. We have had football now here at uh, the Scott Frost era. Unfortunately, the uh, the game did not go as everyone wanted, but I think there was a lot of good signs, at least, coming out of the game, um, for how the offense looked. Uh, I I saw a lot of encouraging things from the defense that we maybe haven't seen in the last couple of years. I guess your thoughts on the game last week, and then what you've heard from uh, Scott Scott Frost and coordinators this week.
1: Well, Jeremy, it's always interesting to get the pulse of the average Nebraska fan after a game, and the overwhelming theme I got from talking to and getting feedback on Twitter and social media from fans is is what I thought after the game was that yeah they lost but there were so many encouraging signs in that game and and you think in the back of your head man if this had been the Akron game they they probably could have won this and and then gotten those kinks out and then maybe being able to beat Colorado who knows I mean if Zans and Butts were candy nuts so what party we'd have but so. You look at it for what it is, and you see the defense get seven sacks. You see them fly around the football, get tackles for losses. You see Adrian Martinez live up to the hype and and do it in a calm, cool, and collective manner. You see both lines of scrimmage performing as well as I've seen a line of scrimmage on either side for Nebraska play in many years. There were downfalls. There were still things that you see that you've seen the past ten years. Penalties, for one turnovers for another and those are the two things that that hurt Nebraska and how easily or how quickly do you weed those things out of this culture under this new program under the new leadership of Scott Frost I don't know part of it is because you have so much youth and you have a true freshman quarterback and and maybe a walk-on freshman quarterback this week we don't know yet but some of those mistakes especially for game one are to be expected but Obviously, you can't have eleven penalties going forward. You can't be night uh, minus three in the turnover area and expect to win. But my gosh, there were so many good signs in that game. I, I, I go back to the defense more and more. Just I haven't seen the black shirts fly around like that. Probably since the days of Ndumekenzu and Prince Amukamara and Eric Hag and those guys in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, whatever it was. I mean, they really got after it, and if they can continue that. I really like the trajectory of this team. Yeah, it was
0: encouraging to see
1: tackling in space
0: and not only tackling in space, but then other guys flying to the ball in yes. space. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's like you said, you can't look back, but it'd been interesting if Nebraska would have been able to play that first game against Akron. Do you have yeah, who knows? the turnover
1: issues? Who knows? Do you have the penalties? And we'll yeah. never know. Um, now you might I, know this week. If if it's a problem this exactly. week, then you then you can look back at it and say, well, maybe they couldn't have won that game because yes. it's still an issue. But um, yeah, you're right. You, you just don't know. But and, and going back to the defense, it's you, you look at it, and there weren't a lot of like as you said, missed tackles. Tackling was good, and there weren't a lot of defensive breakdowns either that you might mm-hmm. see in the first game or for Nebraska the eighth, and ninth game of the past couple of years. They they didn't really have a lot of those and. The, the, the catches and the big plays that Colorado made, Colorado had to make those plays. Like the game winning touchdown was a well covered receiver and it's a it's a great receiver they've got and they, they made a great play. Credit to Colorado for that, but there just weren't a lot of those huge mistakes that you saw last year or the year before in this game. I didn't think, especially for a first game. Yeah. And you, and you always, and
0: Coach Frost even said it, but a lot of other coaches say it, that the biggest jump comes from week one to week two. Mm-hmm. So like you said, if we see a, a quite a bit of a change this week. Then you can look back and say, "Well, shoot, if we would have played that action know, game, yeah, and yeah. who knows how that game would have gone?" But then maybe you uh, you clean up some of that stuff. I know Coach Frost today and Coach Walters yesterday. They asked about is there a bigger emphasis on protecting the football, and he goes, "Well, yeah, but we've been emphasizing that all all off season." But sometimes, like I think Coach Frost said today, is until the kids actually see it happen, mm-hmm. then they don't fully understand how important those drills are. You do so that's a case where put the ball on the ground twice and now you know okay the coaches were harping on us to do this and okay
1: we needed to do this and if you go back and look at that very first turnover i would call that a forced turnover on colorado's part the defender had his helmet i mean he came in right with the, the 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 top of his helmet on that football and knocked it loose like you're supposed to do as a defender i mean it was a perfect play by colorado uh, the interception, I didn't get a good look at. I think that was probably one of those freshman mistakes that, you know, that'll happen. The other fumble, I think, was probably a Nebraska fumble. But, mm-hmm. again, first game, those things happen. But you go back to the coaching staff last year at UCF, and the running backs didn't fumble all year long. So when Scott Frost says they emphasize ball security, they do. Mm-hmm. thats so, not service. Yeah, it's not. I and mean, there's – but again, those things happen now again, but you yep. can't have them happen three times. I, I would say this too, that you know, we're harping about Nebraska committing the turnovers. I, I think the the other frustrating thing was the defense not creating turnovers. I mean, you you look at it, you're minus three. If if the defense comes up with a just one or two of their own and they're minus one, maybe they win that game. I don't know, because and I know that was the one thing defensively the coaches were not happy about was the fact they didn't get any turnovers because that was another point of emphasis during fall camp and that's what something that this defense under the staff has done at UCF is create a lot of turnovers and I know they were frustrated about not being able to do that that first game too. Yeah, one of the
0: we were talking about encouraging signs is not to put this on any coach, any player, anything over the last couple of years, but Nebraska gets down fourteen nothing pretty quick in the game. In the past, team has not responded well to that. Sure. Saturday, come out and get a score. Defense comes out, gets a three and out, and I believe, not sure if we scored the drive after that, but very quickly the game was back knotted at fourteen, and that's not something we've seen yeah. in a while. Of you know what, you kind of get to that point in the road of okay, are we are we going to fold and mm-hmm. this game's over? Or are we going to step back up and get back in this?
1: So. Yeah, I think it was fumble, fumble, touchdown is the way yeah. the game started for the Nebraska offense. So. And I mean, both of the turnovers were, were were key because one of them, Nebraska was about to score. Yes, I mean it was they were moving the ball on the first play, of the the first series of the game, snap, mm-hmm. snap, snap, and had Colorado on their heels, et cetera. They were going to score, and then the next turnover was kind of the opposite. It was deep in Nebraska territory, and you basically, you know, gift wrap field position for Colorado, and yep. they had a short field to work with. So. Um, at the very least, you know, that first one's a fourteen point swing because it goes from seven nothing Nebraska to seven nothing Colorado just like that. So but um but it is what it is, you know. It's an, it's a learning Yep uh a learning tool. It's not a conference game, it's not the end of the world, and again, the way you saw them come back after down fourteen nothing, as you said, compared to last year or past years, um much much better in this regard however you think the first game of the year they wouldn't totally roll over I mean, regardless yes. of coaching right regime or year or whatever you mm-hmm. you think that the first game of the year they show some heartbeat or whatever and obviously yeah. they did so that's obviously a good sign
0: well let's address the elephant in the room uh what did we learn from co- there's coach there's an elephant from, in here not well <laughs> my kids may have a drawing somewhere of an elephant in here okay. uh, Adrian Martinez, what did we learn about from Coach Frost today on his availability, Mm -hmm. both for Saturday and moving forward on the season?
1: Yeah, there's been no determination on that. And as he mentioned today, this is Thursday we're talking and the last that Scott will address the media was this morning after practice. And he said it could go up to a couple of minutes before kickoff. Now, Adrian's not done a lot in practice this week. And you'd like to think that as a true freshman, you you probably want to do more in practice than he has to be able to play this week. You know, if he was a senior, fifth year senior, knew the offense, et cetera, et cetera, maybe he could get by all week without doing a lot and then playing. And and maybe he still can, I don't know. He's improved greatly each day. He's done a little bit more each day. But I I think all signs right now probably point to an Andrew Bunch start. We don't know that, Mm -hmm. and that's just you and me is fans. We don't know anything, inside information or anything like that. It's just ups, uh, us observing and probably if I were a you know, betting man, I'd probably say Andrew would probably start this week. Don't know that, but that's what the signs are indicating right now and I don't think they have any issues with that either. I, I don't sense any panic or indecisiveness or worry or concern or anything like that with him starting this week. I really don't if he does.
0: Yeah, and uh, I mean, another plus side come positive and negative coming out of Saturday was, yes, Adrian got hurt, but I think most people leaving the stadium, probably you and I included, were thinking, oh, this might this might be rough. But the good sign is, sounds like, as we said, he's day-to-day, could play Saturday. It's not a yeah. any type of injury that...
1: Yeah, the fact there's no ligament damage yes. was the huge thing. Or I don't know if there's any sprain. I mean, I don't know what his injury is, but it's nothing... That he for sure will be out four to six weeks or the yep. year or anything like that. It's just he's really sore, and it's probably manageable, uh, a matter of what he can handle pain wise, and being precautionary, knowing that Michigan is next week. I mean, you have all these things to consider. So, but yeah, it's a lot better news than what a lot of people thought when they were watching Adrian being gingerly taking off the field, um, yep. three and a half minutes to go in that game on on Saturday.
0: Speaking of that, Andrew Bunch sure did not uh, get any eased into the situation. He got basically thrown into the fire. Yeah. I thought he performed pretty well considering the circumstances. Yeah, he did. He did. Sounds like, obviously, he got – I mean, moving into that, his reps had been cut quite a bit, Um, you know, in fall camp before Tristan Jebby had transferred. It was basically he and Adrian getting most of the the reps. Obviously, once Tristan left, uh, I think Andrew started getting more reps, but – with a true freshman quarterback, I'm sure Adrian was getting quite a few. Um, what did we learn from Coach Ferdusco, Coach Frost, Coach
1: Walters this week on 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 uh, Andrew Bunch for Saturday? Well, I wish we had the sound clip of uh, Coach Ferdusco talking about how fast <laughs> Andrew Bunch yes. is. He used about every adjective in uh-huh. in the in the, um, in the dictionary to describe how fast he is. Now, I I hope people don't don't read that or hear that and think uh, Taylor Martinez fast. He's not quite that fast, but he does have good speed. Mm -hmm. I think his point was is he can operate the offense and do everything running the football that they would expect of any quarterback here. And he can. He has better foot speed, better agility, mobility than a Tristan Jebbia does running this offense. Now, if this were passing offense, maybe you'd go go more towards a Tristan, but that's neither here nor there because he's not here. So. I, I think that they, they're, they're saying that he has the foot speed, the footwork, et cetera, to run the offense that they the way they see fit. And based on what I've seen in fall camp and in practice, I would have to agree, too. And he's got an OK arm, too. And as Scott has pointed out more than once this week, that there was a drop pass on the the series that Nebraska was trying to put the game away when they were still ahead in the fourth quarter that if Nebraska catches that with bunch at quarterback, they probably run at the clock and win the game. So, yep. and it was a good throw. So again, those things happen, but I, I thought all in all, he, uh, was four of eight, four, four, four nine, of nine passing. Believe. Yeah. Um, so if you complete that one, you're five of nine, which is over 50%. So, um, I think it'll be interesting to see if, if he starts how much they do depend on him running the ball and if they can run a lot of the same plays. I that's what I want to see mm-hmm. um, well anything else we want to talk
0: about for for uh, for Saturday I know you're you you'll be doing something tomorrow that might have uh, a little insight on Troy's have you dug much into them any insight on what the Troy Trojans are bringing into Memorial Stadium
1: well I as far as X's and O's, I'm not really an X's and O's sort of guy. But obviously, everybody knows that Troy is a team that isn't afraid of playing these types of games. They went into LSU last year and won. Yes. The times they've come to Lincoln, it's been a while since they've been here. Mm-hmm. Um, but the times they've been here, they've put a good product on the field. Yep. I mean, they're a they're a legit program, and they can come in here and win if Nebraska doesn't have their screws on and um, prepared and ready to go, which I think they will be. But even at that you're talking about a team making possibly a walk-on freshman start a quarterback Mm -hmm. only the second game into a coaching regime all these things so um i think nebraska should win but they can't afford the errors they had last week the penalties the turnover etc that goes for any game but uh, as scott frost said that as a coach from a program like this previously at UCF, you go into these stadiums and you approach these games like it's your Super Bowl, it's mm-hmm. a huge deal. So, no doubt Troy will be up for this game, and probably think they can win it. And why wouldn't you? Yeah, uh,
0: you it you wanted yeah. Death Valley last year, so
1: yeah, and had Death Valley. Yeah. So it's it's not out of the realm of, not out of the realm of possibility, but. Uh, Sometimes I think you talk about that so much that the other team realizes that, hey, we can't let this happen, especially Nebraska already one game down. And, you know, they come out, the team with uh, a lot more to prove, and they end up being the, the hard team to beat. So let's hope that's the case mm-hmm. with Nebraska this week. But uh, yeah, Troy's obviously no no uh, no slouch, no step over, or anything like that.
0: Yeah, and I can't remember which coordinator brought it up earlier in the week, but basically said, you know, the- these guys aren't going to come in they're not going to maybe look like a big 10 team from a size standpoint but Mm -hmm. they have a lot of athletes and they will be flying all over the field um so lots of athleticism on the field lots of speed to to, uh, put up with and a lot of times that creates problems both offensively and defensively so absolutely can't coach speed that's one thing um well we've i think we've dug deep enough into football for now um one thing i wanted to touch on quickly is uh volleyball another good week from them last week had a hey probably longer than wanted to trip in uh to omaha got down 2-0 well 0-2 however you want to say it to creighton and then had uh, quite the comeback came back won the next three sets to win that to win to win that match um then we're back home on sunday retired sarah pavins jersey um Got a pretty good win over an Iowa State team that's pretty respected across the country. And um, volleyball's got one conference, uh, non-conference weekend left. This weekend they're back at home again. Um, Have yet to leave the state of Nebraska during volleyball season. Um, See you playing twice on Friday, I believe, and then again Saturday night. Um, And then we'll be into what Coach Cook calls the, the hardest schedule in all of sports, I think he would say, is the Big Ten Volleyball Conference. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you got tickets or if, if you can't make, I believe they play at noon tomorrow. We're record, Like we said, we're recording this on Thursday. If you can't make the noon match tomorrow, I'm sure uh, Coach Cook would love it if you could uh, give your tickets away to somebody that can get in there. Uh, cheer on the Huskers. Like I said, they play twice tomorrow and then get on Saturday. Um, soccer opens conference play this weekend. They're on the road at Rutgers. Actually, they're opening yeah opening this weekend they're at Rutgers in Maryland and then we have our lone cross country home cross country meet of the week of the uh season the used to be the Woody Greeno now it's the Woody Dirksen named after uh coach Jay Dirksen who was here for probably longer than you are I will combine to work here at Nebraska but uh or or live (laughs) or live (laughs) I still take I actually worked with Jay for a while when I worked with the track team way back when uh still stay in touch with him he's down in Arkansas now uh Jay's a great guy um but, yeah, so that's out at uh, Mahoney Golf Course. Um, it's usually at Pioneers Park, but this year it's at Mahoney because uh, – why, why is it Mahoney? I'm not sure the exact reason – and the exact reason my – I may maybe because I know the Big Ten cross-country meet is actually in Lincoln this year and is at Mahoney Golf Course. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that was a scheduling conflict with Pioneers Park of having to have the conference meet at Mahoney, and so – Maybe the thought was, hey, if we're going to run there later in the year during conference, might as well run our home meet there as well. Absolutely. Have the home court advantage, home course advantage. And kind of you know get that feel for the course. So I think we've covered what's going on. Nebraska Athletics this weekend, I know you want to chat a little bit about some men's hoops information that's come out lately. Um, I know most recently we... Kind of got game times, um, TV assignments for most of the schedule. I know so some of them are still TBA, but looks like you have an Athlon magazine with you with some prediction information.
1: Yeah, and I think a couple of more TV times came out today. Seaton yes. Hall is on... Se- Seaton Hall is Network?
0: a 6.30 tip on yeah. BTN, and then the Michigan State game, it's which... FS1. SF FS1, which we knew that before, but the game time is now set for 7, 7 p.m. yeah. Yep,
1: okay.
0: so... Always check Huskers.com. Um, all the sports schedules are on there. We usually have those basically up to date as quick as possible. Um, you can also find that information in your uh, Husker app, official Nebraska Huskers app. You can find it on uh, the App Store or on Google Play. Um, new app we've had this year. Um, all the audio is free on there. Some good game day information, so uh, make sure you go out and download that. Um, but back to hoops. What uh, What are the national national
1: writers thinking regarding men's basketball? Well, year. there's a lot of national writers, but if this were football season, this would be like May or June when these things mm-hmm. come out. But I think for basketball, especially for Nebraska football fans, these preseason magazines kind of come out and fly under the radar because everybody's so focused on the sports season already at hand yeah. and they think they just kind of fly under the radar. But they're starting to come out and one of them that is out is called um, Athlon. you probably heard it before. Uh, and Athlon Magazine does have Nebraska ranked, as several preseason pundits do, third in the Big Ten, which is a spot higher than they finished last year. And not only that, the, they go on to predict the postseason and predict Nebraska to win two games in the NCAA tournament, which in layman's terms means they would make the Sweet 16. So, which is pretty big stuff for a program that's never won a NCAA tournament game ever. Yes. So. If that were to come to fruition, that would be huge, huge news. Yeah, I think a big we take accomplishment. That. <laughs> I would take that too. <laughs> I would take that too. But you know, it's it's interesting because on, on you know on paper and if you look at them talent wise and compared to the rest of the Big Ten, there's really not a reason to think they they can't do that because um, you know they return seventy nine percent of scoring seventy three percent. Rebounds, seventy-five percent assists, and that's from a team that won twenty-two games last year. Mm-hmm. The question is, and it's it's valid because this has been this way before with the second year of Tim Miles that they had the the big breakthrough and went to the tournament and lost and still had Taron Petaway and Walt Pitchford and Shabon Shields and all those guys coming back and they falter, go thirteen and whatever, and it was an uphill climb after that. How do they manage those expectations this year? And I would say, I would say this, that I think maturity-wise, depth-wise, experience-wise, I think this team is more able to handle the expectations and the oncoming grind, the The fact that teams won't take them lightly, all those things. I just think the program now is in better shape to face those things than it was five years ago when this happened, so... Obviously, and Tim's been there before too. Now, so obviously, Tim's been there. Um, I can't speak on
0: for the other co- for all the other coaches because I'm not sure, but I know Armand Gates, uh, new coach this year, was at Northwestern, who went through a similar thing. They two years ago made the tournament, won one game or two games. Uh, they won one game. One game. Yeah. And then last year, obviously, they were had a lot of returning players. Same thing. Yeah. Had a thought. Hey, this is going to be one of the top teams in the conference didn't make the NCAA tournament and so I think he's been through it so I think you have some leader people in leadership that hopefully know how to uh, maneuver that road yeah um I guess so we're talking about who, who's the magazine have for uh, first and second in the conference
1: uh first and second uh Michigan State is for one let me get to the front page here uh, that would be a big south that would not be okay Michigan State Michigan okay is that nebraska indiana and then purdue so that's the top okay. five and i know indiana fans are all excited because of the um the big recruit they have coming in there from uh romeo Langford, the local kid who's evidently going to be the savior of the program mm-hmm. and he's like really high, highly touted and so no pressure expectations are very very high and uh in Bloomington so kind of like football is here but um, yeah Michigan State and Michigan are predicted the top two and then uh, Nebraska number three so and there's a lot of teams in the Big Ten with question marks this year I don't I don't think it's necessarily you know go back to the second year of 10 miles when they made the tournament in the next year that was a very good year if I remember that was a very tough year for the Big Ten and I just think Nebraska is better able to handle maybe the expectations and the schedule, um, have a better grasp and handle of the Big Ten now than it was five years ago. and um, You hope the Big Ten is better this year. I mean, you don't want a situation last year where you go 13-4 and four and because the conference is down, you don't make the tournament. I mean, you, you want better competition, but I think that will come with the non-conference season because I really like what, what Tim has done with the non-conference mm-hmm. schedule this year and have a couple of the uh, neutral site games and some tough home games and not uh, going the road and there's two fewer because they have two more conference games this year. There's 20, so that's two fewer of the, as a former administrator here, we call them dogs and fleas <laughs> of the uh, non-conference opponents. Mm-hmm. So you don't worry about 300 plus level RPI teams there's two of those that are gone now because you have two more Big Ten teams so obviously that increases your well won't the RPI because they don't use that anymore it's um, whatever the we we talked talked about about that last (laughs) two weeks I can't remember what it is anymore but point being I I think the schedule is more put together this year to help Nebraska and I I, I think with the experience that they have and the, the leadership and maturity I just think they're better able to handle everything better than five years ago when they were kind of faced with the same situation and same scenario. But, you know, we'll find out.
0: Yeah. And, and again, just on paper, the the schedule just looks like it sets up better this year to have those opportunities to, again, it's not the RPI, but to win games, possibly at home, obviously yeah. playing in Pinnacle Bank Arena is a, a big advantage over playing, um, on the road. But for instance, this year you've got Michigan State at home, um, just scrolling through the schedule here. Is that a home you, game? You have, well, you have Michigan State home and away. Okay, that's both. You yeah. have, well, we'll just th-
1: we'll just run through the whole conference schedule right yeah. now. That's good because it's a good reminder. All I know is Illinois and Minnesota are the early yep. December so games. So you got,
0: you have Illinois at home, and, and then, then the three days
1: later at Minnesota. That that's, that's your, a good start. That's a great start.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can't ask for much better than that. Then you've got just finished out kind of the. Bigger name non-conference, you've got Creighton at home then, and then yeah. playing the neutral site game in uh, Sioux Falls
1: against There's like Oklahoma five State. straight Power 5, Power 6. I mean, Creighton's in there. I, call, I, I include them in what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say here, Power 5, Power 6. But Nebraska plays like five in a row. Yep. You've got Clemson in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. That's at yeah. Clemson. Then
0: you've got Illinois at home, at Minnesota, Creighton at home, and then the neutral site game with Oklahoma State. State.
1: Up in uh, uh, Sioux Falls. Yep. I'm really looking forward to that. I think that'll be a fun game. Fun and, atmosphere. And then once you come back from basically right after the New Year, jan- January 2nd, you start out on the road. You go at Maryland, at Iowa. And that's like the biggest stretch of road games because you, you tie that in with the at Minnesota from the end of the first stretch or the beginning of December. <laughs> so you have a stretch of like three or four, three straight is it on the road? I mean, it's. Yeah, you, I mean, you're you only. altogether. If you look at the
0: rest of the conference schedule, the only other time they play back-to-back road games there's is there's at the of end the of the year yeah. when they've got at Michigan, at Michigan State. Yeah. So you got Maryland, Iowa, then we've got Penn State at home, at Indiana, home from Michigan State, at Rutgers, Ohio State at home, Wisconsin at home, at Illinois, Maryland at home, at Purdue, and you've got Minnesota, Northwestern at home, at Penn State, Purdue at home at Michigan at Michigan State and then Iowa at home so you're basically going home and road most of the time but there's a couple there's a couple back to back home games and then you've got yeah. the two pretty much and uh, the season
1: could be huge if, if Athlon's right because you have yeah. at Michigan at Michigan State and those are the two teams yep. that you'll be playing them within Tuesday and
0: Thursday and then that yeah. following Sunday is a uh, final home game of the year Iowa on March 10th so that's a great
1: way to finish the season, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, it's I, I think the schedule works out great for them. I really do. And it's, you know, they've got the experience. They've got the point guard. They've got the wings. they lacking a little experience inside, especially with the loss of Jordy. But um, I like their team. I really do.
0: And I guess I haven't – you're probably locked in more on the national scene than I am. Is, is this basically
1: around where Nebraska's being picked by most – Kind of early it, preseason things? It's it's hard to say. I, I've seen a couple where they're, yeah, they're picked as high as third. And um, you'll see some more of them come out here probably in the next few weeks. But I, I wouldn't expect anybody to have them higher than third. And it'll be interesting to see what the lowest one is. It might be 10th. I don't know. Um, I'd be surprised if it was quite that low. Yeah, but, I would be surprised by that. Um, but there will be somebody who'll, you know, have them fifth, sixth, seventh, or whatever it is. And maybe that's closer. I don't know. It's, it's really hard to say because, like you said, you've got 20 Big Ten games now. That's the first time for that. A lot of teams coming back from off years, Wisconsin being one of them. I think they'll be better this year. Does
0: um, Ethan Happ still have one more year of eligibility? He's, he's
1: like there for his ninth <laughs> year, whatever it yeah. is. He's he's doing the. Uh, um, who was the guy that played at Creighton? Craft. Well, who was the guy that played at Creighton a couple years ago that seemed to
0: play like six or seven years?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um. um which one? <laughs> but yeah, he's he's doing the Aaron Craft, uh, um, meter eligibility thing. It seems like so. Okay. But anyway, yeah, there, there's there's teams in the Big Ten that I, I think will be a lot improved from last year, and some traditionally down programs, not down programs, but down teams from last year that I, I think will be better this year. So it'll it'll be interesting to see what Nebraska does against those teams and and, and how they, you know, maneuver and manage themselves. is the, the one target sport on the that.
0: You can, you know, fo- football is kind of hard to turn around, and you usually hear coaches say, you know, it's a two to three year changeover, really, when you need to make deep changes. But basketball seems to be the sport where you can go from you can go from yeah. bottom of the barrel to maybe top couple ones in the conference pretty quick because. Well, one, let's look at the let's look at the bottom
1: part here of what Athlon has. Um, we'll go eight on down. How about that? So, Ohio State. Is eighth. Um, Ohio State was pretty good last year. Let's see, they were, yeah, they finished third, 15 and 3 and 25 and 9, and now they're picked eighth. Mm -hmm. Uh, Iowa finished 4 and 14 last year, they're picked ninth, so they're a little bit better. Uh, Penn State was 9 and 9 last year, they lost a little bit, they're picked 10th. Minnesota, 4 and 14 last year, picked 11th this year. And, of course, they had the big um, the big tailspin last year, kind of like Nebraska did after the NCAA tournament of, of uh, 12-13 or 13-14. Uh, they're picked 12th. Illinois picked 13th. Um, they finished 12th last year, 4-14. and And then Rutgers um, finished last, picked to finish last. So um, teams that are picked better than last year, obviously – Well, let's see here. Wisconsin's much improved. They're picked seventh. Um, They were, like, what, ninth last year, I think. Uh, Maryland's picked sixth. Uh, They were finished eighth last year. Indiana's picked fourth a couple spots higher. Purdue's down a little bit. They're picked fifth. So, you know, some teams the same and others are, you know, dropped a little bit like a Penn State and a... You know, Northwestern stock has really fallen. After mm-hmm. you, you thought two years ago that um, Chris Collins really had them on the up and up, and it seems like early expectations are down for them this year. And so we'll see. It's it's the Big Ten. It's 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 hard to predict. I, I just think basketball in general is hard to predict because it's just
0: so reliant on young players in projecting out what they're going to be. And like you said, Indiana, they're. They're putting so much into this one player, and hopefully the guy lives up well, not not for our hopes, but I mean hopefully the guy lives up to what sure. he, what he what everyone wants him to be, but if not, I mean that's one guy can have quite an effect on on a college basketball yeah. team. Uh, only thing I want to check in on—I I know your team in baseball is the Royals. NFL football has started. Do you have a? Are you a Kansas City Chiefs guy, or is that your allegiance? Or? I, I don't have an NFL okay. team.
1: I really don't. You know, at one point when I was a little kid, I kind of did the 49ers alone because of Tom Rathman and Roger oh, okay. Craig. That was the only reason. Um, it's that's not obviously stuck on or anything. And then you know, I like to see the Chiefs do well, but I'm not like a huge Cowboys fan or anything like that. I am a so. huge Cowboys fan. <laughs> You and I would so, not have got along well in the 90s if you were still a 49ers <laughs> fan. Yeah, that was probably the late 80s, early 90s. Is yeah. I, I wouldn't say I was a huge fan. You know, I'd like to see them do well because they seem to have the most former Huskers of anybody. I think that's why I did that. But, um, but yeah, I'm not, uh, I don't have any huge allegiance. I'd like to see the Chiefs do well, but I'm not like a diehard like I am okay. the Royals, who came very close to a perfect game the other night against the Twins, but what have you. Royals have actually not been a bad base. I mean,
0: they're under five hundred, but they've actually been barely. <laughs> that's the understatement of <laughs> well, the year. Well, <laughs> let me finish the statement. After the All-Star break, <laughs> they're almost a five hundred baseball team. I'd have to look, but they're probably pretty close. They're yeah. arguably playing them. Not, not no. that draft position is, is important. And baseball is probably almost no, one of the most irrelevant yeah. things. It's not like the NFL or the NBA. Their
1: bullpen but, is doing better. I will say that. They're, they're making some. McCarthy's ERA is like a 1.4-something since August, so that's good to see. You know, they're making some strides. And, I, you know, I think a big thing for them going into spring training is just having a better idea. And I don't think they had a good idea going into this year, what they had and what they didn't. And I think that's one of the reasons that, look at me, I'm a big Royals analyst here all of a sudden. But I I, I, I think they knew they wouldn't they weren't going to be good. I don't think they realized they – how do I put this? <laughs> they didn't have as much as they didn't have. How am I trying to say this? I, I, I don't think they had a they had a good grasp on like, wow, we're not as... Thought they'd be a little bit better than they are. Well, I, I, I just don't think they realized their deficiencies were as big as they were in some areas. And I think next year going into spring training, they'll have a better idea of what they have and what they don't and what they need. And not that they're going to be world beaters again next year, but I think they'll have a better idea of what they need to get and improve on and maybe set it up so that in 2020 then maybe they can start competing again. So we'll see. But Um, this is you know it's encouraging but the Royals have done this a bazillion years where they are horrible for five six months and then come September they're world beaters but eventually it led to something Mm -hmm. so we'll see if they can do it again
0: you have a World Series much more recently than I have I'm a Braves fan (laughs) my hope is I was not actually expecting them to compete this year the Nationals are obviously down the Phillies are a lot better than I thought the Braves would be but the Braves are I think their magic number now is 10 to clinch the division there you go there you go. The influx of young talents is coming to fruition much sooner than I expected. Well, people are probably tired of listening to us talk about the Braves and the Royals. The ones so. who are
1: still here listening to us. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Thank and you, by the way. To
0: anyone that cares, NBA is not far away. and I, cannot, I don't care about that. But, oh, I can't wait till we get right. to NBA season and we can just talk about the NBA. because <sighs> I think Dan Hoppin and I are the... Shout out to Dan Happen if he's listening. Well, he can up. come in here and he, do this. Yeah, then. he'll. We'll bring him in. I think he and I might be the uh, biggest NBA fans in the state of Nebraska. So.
1: Their season just ended, right? The NBA. Yeah. Well, and I'm they a start Tid again next fans, week. So
0: mine ended quite a while ago, but
1: they have like what, what a three week off season yeah. or something like that. If the, NBA
0: the NBA was a year round yeah. sport. I, it wouldn't bother me.
1: What well, almost is. So you you should I, be happy.
0: Yeah, I should be. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get off the air. We'll be back next week. We'll be talking. Uh, we'll be talking conference football. Gosh, Scott Frost first conference at football game at Michigan at the Big House uh, should be quite the show uh, I think that that kickoff's been announced that is also an early kickoff 11 a.m. Uh, 11 a.m. Yeah. so have time to watch the Huskers and then do whatever else you want the rest of the day uh, volleyball will also be kicking off their conference season next week as well so uh, we'll be looking forward to that so to sign off uh, he's Brian follow him GBR Rosenthal on Twitter find everything he writes about on Huskers.com